the reading which was uh, brought to us was that well-known account of uh, Paul um, going out with the authority of the powers that be in uh, Jerusalem um, uh, to, to persecute and capture people. He wasn't fussed whether it was men, women, children. He had permission to take them captive and to bring them back to Jerusalem where they were no doubt punished quite severely. Um, you know, it's very, uh, very difficult knowing what we know about Paul through the rest of his life to picture him as a persecutor doing all these things. But that's the way it was. You know, warts and all, that was Paul at the time. Um, he felt he was doing the right thing. He felt that these people were um, contrary to his beliefs, uh, the Jewish uh, religion, and therefore it was quite in order for him to do all this. Um, and off he went and he did it. And like, as with all things with Paul, he did it extremely thoroughly. Not a stone was unturned. He was zealous in what he did. And it's reflected in a way in what Muslims do, except that they've gone up the wrong path. And these people that blow themselves up and take as many others with them as they can, it's a horrifying thing. And yet, in their zeal, they feel they're doing the right thing. I can't, you know, I can't really come to terms with the way they think, but that's what they think. And in a way, that's the way Paul was. He just wanted to capture as many enemies of God as he possibly could, and, and, and that's what he did, and very successfully. If God had not in, intervened as he did, it, it's difficult to know how far that would have gone. I think Christianity would have been wiped out. Um, perhaps Christ would have become a, dif a distant memory and all through the zealousness of one man. But there was no God way God was going to do that and uh, he intervened in no uncertain way. People say that God doesn't intervene much but that was one example where he did and uh, Paul um, suffered severely for it. If we read on from the last reading, um, we'll see more or less what, what happened. Yes, it's chapter 9, 10 to 19. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is, he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So we've, in Paul's case, um, there was conversion, filling with the Holy Spirit, and then baptism. We might not think that's the right way round, but I don't think the Holy Spirit's at all fussed about that. And that was Paul's experience. So he got the lot, one after the other, one, two, three. Uh, so it's no, no wonder he was shattered and changed. So it was a, a total and a complete um, change around. A lot of the people um, were cautious with Paul after this. Even though they knew what had happened to him, they didn't trust him. And it was only when one or two of the uh, disciples supported him and said, look, it's okay now. He's not the man he was. He's totally changed. That they began to put their trust in him and accept him. Now God was using him to spread the gospel throughout the Mediterranean. Um, uh, Paul, after the period of almost penance, Paul's uh, feet didn't seem to stop. He went off everywhere. Um, Edna and I had often wanted to go in the footsteps of Paul, these journeys that they take, and for some reason or other we never got round to it, and it always seemed to be too pricey. And um, then came this ter terrible business in America of the Twin Towers. Well, you know, everybody was very upset about it, and we, we didn't think anything good would come of a thing like that. But the strange thing was, for us it was a good thing, because... A lot of Americans had booked one of these cruises uh, to go all around the footsteps of St. Paul and <clears throat> because of this incident, none of them would go near the Middle East. They decided it was too dangerous, they weren't going to go there and they all, although they paid for the cruise, they, they phoned the firm up and said, look, we're not coming. You know, you, <clears throat> you can do what you like but the, the, we're, none of us are coming so the firm master son phoned us and said, um, you'll probably be surprised, but we've got this cruise. It's all paid for. Um, you can have it for half price if you like. Well, needless to say, I think it took us two seconds flat to say, yeah, we're coming. You know, we'll send the deposit. So for the worst of reasons, in a way, we finished up um, going on this cruise. And... Uh, it took us to places like Ephesus, which are mind-bending places, and uh, Philippi, and uh, oh, all these other places that are in the Bible. And we, we were taken by boat by uh, night. So most of the traveling was done by night. And when we woke up in the morning, we were at a new port. And then there was a coach which whipped us off, and we were guided around um, all, all these various sites. And uh, it, it really was quite quite amazing. Um, we sat in this theatre where, uh, you remember Demetrius, I think it was, um, was arrayed and was most upset because of the Christians taking away his trade. He was a silversmith and uh, built, uh, made these little goddesses and uh, that was all going to stop because of people like Paul. So there was a huge outcry and it was something very special to sit in that theatre and know that all that we'd read in the Bible occurred there and then. It, you know, in a way, it strengthened your faith, although you, you accept that anyway. You know that's how it was. Um, 
Yeah, in, in, the, in St. Uh, John's Church in Malta, there's a glass case, and inside is a piece of bone. Um, a bit macabre, but um, apparently when Paul was killed, beheaded, they'd remembered how well he spoke of the Maltese and had sent this as a kind of souvenir, and the church had carefully preserved it, and we were able to, to see that there. Um, I know it's a funny, funny sort of thing, but it just shows you how much Paul was appreciated and how much he appreciated the Maltese and how kind they were. You remember he was shipwrecked and they looked after him and uh, he healed their sick. So it was a real testimony. And also um, at Cyprus there was um, a stanchion where he was supposed to have been chained. And I'm sure that that would have been true. The Lord said he would suffer much for the word and he did. And, and that was one of the things they they chained him up there. Goodness knows he was probably whipped and lashed and, um, and really blooded up. Paul preached often to Gentiles and non-Jews. So uh, this was a little bit of a, of a change. Um, a lot of it uh, came about through Peter's experience with the sheep being lowered down. You may remember it. You may remember... Um, I'll read it. Uh, read it from here. Yes, Peter had a vision of a sheep coming down, filled with all sorts of animals, and being told by the Lord to kill and eat, which horrified him as he regarded the animals as unclean. Preaching to the household of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, we read the following from Acts 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. So you had that example of um, uh, people being um, blessed in that way, in that very special way. And he commended, commended them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So although Paul tended to go to various synagogues in the first instance, he, he always then went on to the Gentiles, be they what they would, Greeks, Romans, anybody at all that would listen to him. So we got this uh, great blessing of the gospel going out past the Jewish nation and into coming down to people like us. I mean, this is where it eventually arrived here. So what can we uh, learn from Paul's story the first thing is we've obviously got a powerful God. There's no question about that. I don't think <clears throat> there was a program on television this morning at um, 10 o'clock and they were analysing this thing in Japan and uh, there was a tendency to blame God for it and to infer in a way that those who died were sinners. Now, if you remember in Israel, a tower collapsed and killed a lot of people and Christ was told about it, and he said, don't think that anybody that was killed by that tower falling was a bigger sinner than anyone else. 
So, you know, this wasn't mentioned this morning, but it was quite clear that people dying in catastrophes like this are not dying because of their sin. It is a catastrophe. They happened to be there, and it killed them. And, um, people seem to be trying to say that Christians shouldn't suffer this morning. Well, that's not the case. There will be Christians in Japan. This friend of mine that's out there, she is a Christian, and although she's not injured, uh, her house is wrecked, and no dead at all. She's suffering. Uh, they're short of food, short of water, all sorts of things. So these, um, these catastrophes are not guys saying, you, you, and you, I don't like you, you're going to die, or you're going to suffer. This is the way it is. We all suffer. I have in my life, you have in your life. Christianity doesn't guarantee uh, an easy path. It, it never did and it was never promised. So we have a powerful God. He's a forgiving God. If we think of King David and uh, St. Paul, um, they were not particularly nice people at times, but when they repented, they were blessed by God and forgiven so he is a forgiving God, a powerful and a forgiving God. The power of God's Holy Spirit is formidable and equips people uh, to serve the living God. Uh, without the Holy Spirit, um, our work is largely useless. I've found this in life. All, all my best efforts have come to nothing. It's only when I've fallen back on the Lord that he puts things into perspective, puts them right, and uh, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, God will use each of us in our own sphere if we are open to him. We've got to keep that channel open to God and got to rely on his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I find this um, very difficult to get across to people at times, but um, it is a fact. And uh, I expect people get fed up with me uh, going on and on about baptism in the Holy Spirit. All I know is that um, in 1978, if I hadn't been um, baptized in the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be here speaking to you. I don't quite know what I would have been doing, um, probably watching football on television or something like that. But uh, that Spirit of God, when it falls on you and gets into you, um, can make a huge world of difference. Um, I think that's all really I wanted to do, was to take this example of, of Paul's, uh, and to s remind us all that it, it applies to us. Um, as long as we have a channel open to God and do the best we can for him, he, he will bless us. I don't think there can be any doubt about that. And I get daily examples of that, and I'm sure y you must in your life as well. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for the examples set by Paul. And we are encouraged by the way you disciplined him and then used him to spread the gospel through many lands. Help us to hear your voice in all sorts of ways and things, Lord. We are willing to be obedient. We are open to you. We are looking to see signs from you. And um, I know from experience that will happen, Lord. These times are particularly threatening, Lord, the things that are being permitted by the government in this country and many countries now are things we never thought could happen and yet they're coming to be and we're seeing Christians who are pursuing a normal life being persecuted, being taken to law and losing the cases, Lord. 
And although we don't like to see this, we know that it will happen and we just have to, to, to bear it, Lord. But we always know that you're behind us, you're in all we do and say, and there are times when we don't know what to say, but you promise that you will say things for us. You'll give us those words which just seem to tumble out and we think afterwards, well, I wouldn't have thought that way. And yet you're there, you're helping us, you're backing us. And we just put our total trust in you. We just praise and worship and adore you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.